Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. You are listening to episode number 75, Service Perfected by Love. Being able to lead in multiple genres of business and in life can be challenging as well as exhausting to say the least. But now for today's guest, Dr. Carrie Williams has taken the leadership torch and blazed a trail in politics, hair, business, and education. As a businesswoman that has a keen sense of focus and curiosity, Carrie's ability to push herself to the next level while also scaling her current business is leadership personified. Without further ado, here is Dr. Carrie Williams. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today is my girl, the one and only Dr. Carrie Williams via Google Meets. Now, I have to give her a proper introduction because this woman has done amazing things in her life and career thus far, and she's not even nearly finished. So let me run down the stats. She's a natural celebrity hairstylist. She's been doing hair for 18 years. She is the president of the Board of Barbering and Cosmetology. She's a teacher. She has her own product line. She has a PhD. Y'all didn't know you can have a PhD in hair. This woman has a PhD, and correct me if I say this wrong, trichology. That's correct. That's correct. And she is the creator of the goddess locks. For you women out there, if you've heard of the goddess locks, she's the one. She is the originator. And she's a speaker. And she probably has some more things. We're going to get into all of that. But right now, that's a lot. I don't even know how she do what she does, but she's definitely a leader of today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Every time I hear someone list the things I've done, I'm, I'm in awe. <laughs> <laughs> Grateful, um, but I'm I'm doing great and excited. That's good. That's good. You should be in all. That's a lot. I I had to pace myself going through it. <laughs> Man, it's God. Okay, uh, it is really God. It, it is, but it's you because you put the work in. Yes, and, yes, yes. And congrats on everything. Thank so you. so let's jump into this. So, did you expect or anticipate your life to be this impactful? You know, I'm going to honestly say yes. I've always felt since I was younger, like there was something in me 
that I knew was great. I didn't know how it was going to express itself though, because when I, you know, I didn't know I was going to do hair full time as a career. I had other career ambitions um, that I thought were the right way because of influences around me. But yes, there was always something inside. I'm just like a natural born leader. I was always the teacher when we play school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a big sister. Okay. You know? sister so I, I was born into a leadership role um and yeah I've always dreamed big and I always something on, on the inside of me wanted to do something really big and impactful so I, I, I'm gonna say yes so let me ask you how did you actually like architect your life from a little girl um well you know I would say being younger it wasn't intentional of course I was just growing up, but I would have to say what was modeled for me early and a lot of what I was exposed to, like my mother, she was really disciplined and worked really hard. So I had a model in the home with my mother. Um, and of course, like I said, me being the oldest, she uh, taught me a lot of responsibility early. Did she um, do hair? No, no. <laughs> she was like, okay. You know, my mom, she was okay. I tease all the time. Like my mom could not cornrow. She would do something I call the connector braid, like where huh. she would plait my hair and then connect the end into another plait. Oh yeah, I see that. Like a uh, almost similar to color purple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So no, I mean she was okay, but she um. That wasn't something that she did full time. So how did you pick up the hair game? Did that just come through osmosis or? You no, know, it was, you know, honestly, it's it, it was a gift. You know how mm. some people are like, you know, I, could, I was singing when I was a baby or, you know, they just be pop locking and they too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was really something I've just been uh, fascinated with since I was little. Like I have early memories of like playing in my dolls and like being very attentive when my mother would press my hair um, and trying to do the same thing to my dolls and emulate like what she was doing. Um, I just, yeah, I just always really enjoyed it. Um, And it just came naturally to me. And you just stuck with it and kept going. Yeah. um, When my little sister was born, I was able to start playing in her hair and that was, you know, great. And then when my mom saw that I was getting kind of good and then my aunt saw I was getting kind of good, then I started doing my cousins. And yeah, it just, I just kept going with it. But I didn't take it as something I would pursue as a career professionally, not Mm. at that point in my life. You know, I just saw it as something that was fun, um, that I could do, that I enjoyed. But being a hairstylist wasn't something that was celebrated as a career. So it wasn't something that people were like, you're going to grow up and be a hairstylist. Like they weren't saying that to me. (laughs) So what was the turning point at what point or what age? And was there something that happened that caused you to say, you know what, this is the direction that I really need to go and turn this into a career. Or was it someone on the outside that said, Carrie, you, you need to be doing this hair thing. You know, it was the turning point is something that happened on the inside Mm. and it happened while I was in college um, I was in my second year of college and um, I'll never forget. I was having a conversation with a really good friend of mine who had just got drafted into the NFL and we were on the phone. And I just remember he said something along the lines of, 
You know, I've been playing football my whole life. You know, I've loved it. And now I get paid to do it. Like mm. I finally get paid to do something that I love. And I remember that stuck with me when we hung up the phone and I just began to ask myself the question, you know, what could I do every day? And, and like, I know I love it. And then it's like, and I get paid to do this. Like, I love this and you're going to pay me to do it. And I was, the first thing that came to my mind was hair. Mm. I mean, similar to my friend, he, he had been playing football his whole life. I'm like, I've been doing hair my whole life. And then I started to really be honest with myself in college. I like, I had like 50 million jobs, <laughs> but like, Always hustling. right. I had four <laughs> jobs. I had three campus jobs. Well, well, yeah, I guess it was five because I was a student. A student is a job. Correct. Then I had three campus jobs and then I was also doing hair. So that's how I, you're able to do all of this stuff now. Cause you just been like this quasi Jamaican. You know, <laughs> right? you know what? Yeah. I've always have been able to balance multiple things. Uh, so yes, um, I had all of these jobs had that conversation with my friend and it started to do inventory, started to really get real with myself about what was bringing me joy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, out of these different jobs and they were different types of jobs. One, I was working as an after school uh, mentor and like group leader for fourth and fifth graders. Mm -hmm. Another one, I was like a security guard for the theater on campus. And another one, I worked in an office where I helped students, graduate students get housing. Wow. And like three different environments that I'm working in. And then, of course, I'm braiding hair. And when I just started to think about the different jobs and what was required of me, and then I considered hair as well, the one thing that I could think of that whenever I had to do it, no matter how tired I was, no matter what time I had to start, I would get energy and naturally be like, okay, like come through to the house. I'll braid mm. you up, whatever. Mm-hmm. With All the other jobs, I always groaned and moaned. I was like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> office or to this playground or to this theater. You know, like yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> wow. So- that was my answer. And so once I got that clarity, I actually quit two of my jobs hmm. and enrolled in barber school. Wow. So you didn't even go to Cosmo, cosmetology school. You went barbering. Okay, so now you just confused me because you weren't cutting. Or Well, let me ask. Were you cutting hair, men's hair? I, was, I wasn't cutting hair. I was braiding. Uh, correct. Was like, yeah, and you were braiding Barbies and all of that. So... I, uh, yeah, explain that. How'd you go? How'd you go from doing women's hair, like oh, I'm gonna just go to barber? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in school pursuing my marketing degree, so in a mass within mass com. So my brain naturally was like, I already have the gift. I know how to serve women. Why not expand my market and learn how to serve men? Mm. So. And then I also knew because in the state of California and even still to this day, I knew that I didn't need a license as a braider to really go into the industry. I could have just continued to build a business. Mm -hmm. But I also knew on the inside that I didn't want to cut myself off from any opportunities because I didn't have a license. And so 
when I considered if I should go the cosmetology route or the barber route, barbering was more appealing for me at the time because of the reasons I listed. I'm like, I can expand my market. So now I'm not intimidated by doing a man's hair if I have to. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I get a license so that if I come across an opportunity where they're like, your license, I can say yes. Wow. You was doing some serious thinking (laughs) early on. I wasn't thinking that deep when I got my barber's license because I probably would have went to Cosmo first and then the barber. (laughs) Well, right. I mean, I have a Cosmo now. Right, right, right. But to your point, yeah, like I would have just gotten that out the way and then, yeah, got the barbering. So explain to those that don't know, what is trichology? So trichology is a scientific study of hair and scalp disorder. So it's a branch of dermatology. So hair loss and dandruff or any type of flaky scalp disorders, trichology focuses on that and as well as hair shaft disorders. Hmm. So it's just a fancy word for dirty hair, old age, you losing hair or alopecia <laughs> and right. breakage. Right. <laughs> got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> and you got a doctorate in <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. I mean, you know hey, I, mean? I, I love it. You can do anything. You can create anything. You know. Wow. So, <laughs> hey, this is news to me because I didn't. I heard. I, I've always heard you say trichology. You know, I'm a trichology specialist. I'm like, what is that? And I think I looked it up some years ago, and I just forgot. But now talking to you about it again, I'm like, for real? Like, (laughs) you got a doctorate in flaky, dirty, balding, breaking hair. (laughs) Okay. All right. I love it. And then, so goddess locks, what is it? How did you create it? And how did you like make it yours? Because it's a hairstyle. You know, how did you own that? So the goddess locks, um, I created the style in 2015 mm-hmm. with Megan Good. Um, the faux locks or the lock extensions were coming back into popularity. And so more and more women were wearing the style again. Again, that's not a new style. Things just come back around. Mm-hmm. And so Megan Good, I, um, her stylist, Maisha, contacted me and we ultimately had this conversation about a faux lock style that she wanted and she wanted her locks to look like Lisa Bonet's hair. She's like, I want faux locks, but I want them to look like Lisa Bonet. Yeah. And like, honestly, I was like, like, that's not possible. That's Lisa Bonet's hair. (laughs) That's not, (laughs) you know, a lock extension. Yeah. Um, And so after some processing and literally praying, like I, was trying to figure out how to create this lock and could not figure it out. I was like researching online. I even went into YouTube University. Like, has someone ever done this? And I couldn't find anything. So I was preparing to tell Megan, who I hadn't worked with before yet, that it wasn't possible. Hmm. And I was praying and asking God actually to give me the words to tell her I couldn't do it. And instead, literally, I got a vision on how to do it. And I remember... Like I went to the store, got the hair, got my mannequin head, you know, created the lock. And then I text her and her stylist and was like, I did it. 
So ultimately, I created the actual lock and it wasn't until about October of the same year that I put a name to it. So in the earlier headlines of Megan Good, they were just referring to them as Megan Good's faux locks. Hmm. Now, remember, I'm a marketing major. Yes. So I need to distinguish what it is that I created because this is unique. This is something that hasn't been done. I need to identify what I've created in the marketplace Mm -hmm. as distinguishable from what's already existed. So I began to call them the goddess locks um, and told Megan, like when people ask, you know, about your hair, you know, we're calling them the goddess locks. And so then, you know, media starts to come out and people, because, you know, I was getting interviewed about the style. And so I would refer to the look as goddess locks to make it distinguishable that it wasn't like the other faux locks or lock extensions that were being created. And so that's how it started. And, you know, I completely underestimated, and it's something I like to talk to, you know, other entrepreneurs and just creatives about, you know, I completely underestimated, you know, the value of what I created. Really? How is that? Because I didn't protect it. Uh. So, and I didn't, and I underestimated how big it would get. Mm-hmm. So the way that it caught on, where it's so much a part of our hair culture right now, that a lot of people are just now coming into the know that I created it. And remember, I did this in 2015. It's been right. five years. So by the time I started to see, though, I started to see quickly. And when I saw how the hair manufacturers in China were starting to create it, then I knew it was a problem. Mm. So when I went to apply for the trademark, they had already started trying to apply for it. Really? In China? Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you ever get a trademark? I don't have the trademark. Unfortunately, I I paid and I've been fighting the trademark battle literally up until this year. Okay. (laughs) I've been investing money in the fight and the battle to get the trademark. Um, but at this point, unfortunately, it doesn't feel like I'm going to win, uh, but we'll see. But my lawyers is telling me that because it's been in the marketplace um, and most importantly, there are some hair companies that already have the trademark for goddess, hmm. but their hairstyles are wigs. Okay. Great hair. And I've been trying to present the legal argument that there won't be confusion in the marketplace of me using the trademark goddess to describe my locks and the current trademark owner using it to describe their straight hairstyles. But so they, they're making straight hairstyles, like straight hair, like calling yeah. a, calling a goddess. Yeah. And they've had the trademark for a while though, to be fair. Okay. Like it was before I came up with the name goddess locks. They had trademarked the word goddess to describe their hair extensions, mm. but their hair extensions don't look like the hair extension that I've created, but. And you're, my, aren't you actually making the hair extensions on the hair or in the hair real time? Yes. And you can attach it as a hair extension. Women okay. can actually go to the beauty supply store and get individual goddess locks and have them installed. Mm. Wow. It's a whole thing. It's yes. a whole thing. Mom. Yes. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I am I, patent pending though. I have been legally trying to protect it in some way in different forms. 
And really the push and the fight is about our legacy as black people and really wanting to just be an example again for other creatives and using this process as a way to really encourage people like protect your ideas and like your IP, like there's yes. wealth in that and to value your knowledge and what you know. Yeah. It's so important. I tell people that all the time. Pivot just slightly. Have you ever seen yourself in any of your clients? Have I seen myself? Yes. Like, cause so I believe that we attract Mm. who we are, right? Or, or at least fragments or portions of, of ourselves. And I also like uh, pertaining to hair, barbering and salon, I always have said that you can see who the barber is or the hairstylist, who the hairstylist is by the, by the clients that come and sit down with them. Right. So you, I know you haven't been in the shop for a long time. You've owned your own shop. But even now, coming outside of the shop environment, do you ever do you still or have you ever seen yourself in your clients to the degree where you've been able to recognize and be like, oh, <laughs> oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and a lot of my clients who've been rocking with me for the years and mm-hmm. have seen me grow and develop for sure. I I'm right there with you. We definitely attract, you know. Yes. Like you said, yeah. Yeah. Based on who we are as people. And yes, now, I do. So after you identified yourself in some of these people, did it ever cause you to say, E, I need to change that? Um, yes. D- yes. And not in like, well, yes. This area, you know, this is very broke. You know what I'm saying? So you can see it on the outside. Like, oh, that's what that looks like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need it. Got it. <laughs> and how long did it take you to make that that transition? Or are you still working on it? Um, I mean, I will say, because that's what relationship is about, mm-hmm. right? When you get into relationship with people, it typically is like a mirror. And it's just a matter of what we do with what we see in that mirror. So when I see maybe behaviors um, or character traits that I feel that I can, you know, improve or grow, I typically start to work on it right away. Mm. And I would say just like with anything, you know, it takes time. It just being mindful of it suddenly just becomes a part of, you know, who I am. And I don't really know how long that takes, but I know I try to take immediate action. Yeah. And to this day, I do it because, you know, in my friendships, again, in any type of relationship where I'm close to someone, and especially if that relationship has been for a period of time, um, yeah, I'm constantly being mindful. Yeah, because it's <laughs> tough. It's, it's tough. And I, and I think it requires strength to actually see yourself in someone else and take note of it. And then act, and then after seeing it, saying, oh, you know what? I, I need to be I need to go a different direction. Because a lot of people, I think, we're in denial sometimes. Yeah. You know, we'll see, we'll see a behavior or a characteristic or a mannerism. We we'll say, oh, that that's not me. And somebody, whether it's a friend or a family member, would be like, oh, girl, yeah, or or boy, you you act just like that. No, I don't. Right, right, and they, there's no self awareness. Correct, correct. So it's very few people when when I run across people that are able to uh, 
to identify themselves and others, I like to kind of get an understanding of like their perspective because I know how I am, but we're all different and we all have different approaches. So I just thought it would be interesting to hear. That's a great question. I really like that question. Um, But yes, I think too, what I'm mindful of specifically in my friendships Mm -hmm. is that if there is a personality trait or character or behavior that I can identify in my friends, of course, similarly, I'm attracting my friends and I come into the awareness like, oh, that, yeah, that looks crazy. And I've been crazy with her for a long time. (laughs) But like now that I've got the light, I got to share. So one thing that I am conscious of within my friendship with the people I care about is like, I'll tell them, but I always make sure that they know it's coming from love and, and not judgment by letting them know, like, no, girl, like, this is me, too. And mm. then, like, I'm real. I'm coming into this realization and I don't want to leave you behind. Right. So, right. So Got to stop doing this. Exactly. So we can grow together and, and continue to be right. friends, because if you expand beyond her or him. Then the, the sameness is no longer. Then there right. becomes a disconnect. And it's like, well, right. I see you when I see you. It was fun while it lasted. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so when dealing with your clients and or friends and you recognize they have some insecurities, and this probably is more applicable to your clients, how do you address those insecurities within them? Hmm. And use your doctor hat. Huh? I say, use your doctor hat. No, um, you know, every situation is different. I go into service with my clients knowing that I'm there to serve and make sure that they're comfortable and they're feeling confident. So when I'm experiencing or know that I'm experiencing the insecurity of my client, if anything, the first thing that I make sure I do is that I stay grounded because mm. everyone expresses their insecurities differently. You know, some people kind of close in and, you know, you can feel the energy, whether it's just like they are not in the mood or some people kind of lash out, you know, and become anxious and frustrated. Um, and so because the insecurity can come on different ways, I first make sure that I'm grounded, that I'm clear, that it has nothing to do with me. Mm. So therefore, it's my job to be a guy and try to figure out what's going to make my client feel good and feel confident. So I make sure that I'm centered so that however they're responding, whether it's the close up or the, you know, outburst or reaction, I'm calm enough to say, okay, what can I do? What do you want to see? And I just really try to get to the root of it and be more of a calming, comforting energy so that they'll know I'm here to serve you. Yeah. Make sure that you're good with what's going on. And, you know, I find that has served me well um, because, and then unless I have clients who actually open up to me about their insecurities, then, you know, we can go a little deeper, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, typically in those instances, that's how I manage it. Um, And I, yeah, I find when I'm just, I'm thinking about different situations, it served me well. And I find that it just brings back balance to the environment. And even though maybe words may not have been exchanged exactly about the situation, I can always feel how appreciative the client is that I exhibited that level of patience and grounding and made sure that at the end of it all, 
they felt good about what was going on. Yeah. How do, how does that process uh, when dealing with, you know, several people over a, a long period of time, how does that help you with your own insecurities and in dealing with them? You, I will say with my own insecurities, um, what I've been able to do is just to acknowledge that they come from, you know, impressions from my past that go against the truth. So first mm. for me, the process that I've gone through is reestablishing the truth about who I am. Um, and that's who God created me to be and acknowledging that anything that I might have thought or feel is deficient or not enough. That means I'm questioning how God created me. Hmm. And when he created me, he said I was good and perfect. So if I'm good and perfect, then anything that I might think is deficient or not enough, where did that impression come from? And all of us, you know, we were all babies and kids and we couldn't control our environments or the things we were exposed to or maybe things that were modeled for us. Um, people in our lives who love us don't always know how things that they say can impact, you know, a child. <laughs> and so when I when I got back to the truth, then that opened me up to one, when an insecurity would pop up, I could now observe that particular thought and say, okay, that's not true. If suddenly I'm feeling like I'm not good enough, that's not true. So where did that come from? And then once I can once I can identify where that comes from, then I'm able to move into a different space. Um, and so dealing with my clients, that's what also allows me to stay grounded because I'm like, okay, this again, it's not about me. There's something else happening. So how can I just support them through this process mm -hmm. and provide a safe space where they can feel that and not be judged? Um, so yeah, so when I face my own, I'm easy with myself. I don't judge myself. I'm not hard on myself. And I use the same process. Like, okay, Carrie, ground right. yourself. What is going on? Where is this thought coming from? Because you're the mom. So <laughs> <laughs> let's deal with, you know, whatever's happening. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think it's good, you know, um, for us that are in the hair industry, because we come across so many people with so many different experiences and thought patterns and ways of, of being a lifestyle that it kind of gives us that, edge when it comes to dealing with ourselves because yeah. we we were able to see life through so many different lenses yes and then when it come when it's our turn in our own corner by ourselves we're like oh wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> not me right. <laughs> right, right. i just helped someone so and this and they're like okay right, let right, me right. Let, let me knock this out and come back <laughs> return to home okay. Oh my gosh, Mo. I've had so many of those moments where I'll be like, oh my gosh, Carrie, you are tripping. You sound like that client. <laughs> <laughs> we got to deal with this. We gotta <laughs> right now. <laughs> you going to be looking like her. Exactly. You don't, <laughs> don't want to look like that because that one's crazy. <laughs> right, right. So look, because you already do so much in the world and in your life, how difficult is it for you to push through to that next level in your career? Um, you know, I wouldn't even see it. Like, I don't see it as difficulty. Mm. I feel like each day I'm progressing and taking steps towards another level. And I encourage all of us to think of it that way, right? Like, yeah. as long as every day you're taking a step forward and you're doing something towards that idea, that goal, 
like you're you're climbing, mm-hmm. right? Like you're climbing the stairs. And so if anything, I would say it becomes if if I had to identify a difficult part, I would say it would be when I get to that place where maybe let's say like if there's 10 steps in a flight and you get to 10 and like the next level and you got to take, it's like a bigger step. Like it's that little bit of discomfort that feels like fear, but it's really just discomfort because it's unknown. Mm. Like acknowledging that and pushing through Mm. because identifying like, okay, you're moving real comfortable and you flowing. And like you said, you want to get to the next level and then you get that opportunity, whether it's to be in a room, whether it's to make a call, whether it's introduction, whatever it may be. And if it starts to feel uncomfortable, it's like pushing through or acknowledging like this might be that step that will take you to the next level. And like, yeah, getting out of my head, yeah. getting out of my head That's- and like combating the thoughts. That would be the most difficult thing. That's good. Uh, I like that uh, discomfort that feels like fear. And it's hard. It's really, really challenging to distinguish between the two because they're so they're almost like married together. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. how hmm, for you, how do you determine because they're so identical? How do you determine this is not fear. like I'm not afraid and I'm, it's not fear, but really it's discomfort or yeah, I am afraid. It's not that I'm uncomfortable, but you know, and this is for me as well as people that are listening, because I think that we all encounter that same feeling and we're not necessarily able to identify or recognize the discomfort. We, we might, we might not even see the fear. Right. We might just think we will we'll make an excuse for it um, and, and we'll push it away or, or sabotage it when really we were just uncomfortable. Yeah. Or maybe we were afraid. So how do you determine which is which? I identify my discomfort by looking at. Have I been through this before? Mm-hmm. So like. I know that I'm just feeling uncomfortable if. Cause I've made certain successes in my life. So like when I, I have to take inventory ultimately, like when I start to look back, it's like, Carrie, you've accomplished this, you've accomplished that. So this is no different from that situation. It looks different, but you've done this before. Hmm. It just feels a little uncomfortable maybe because you don't know this person or, you know, all the people in this room feel like they have so much more money than you. You know, so, and so you're feeling uncomfortable, but like, you're not scared because you've done this before. Got it. That's how I acknowledge it. Now the fear, I'm able to recognize fear because of how it feels in my body. And Mm. so like when I start to get flooded with thoughts and like my heart is racing and like, I'm like feeling like nervous. And then like, there's a, like the dominant thought is I don't want to do this. I recognize that as fear because I associate it with this fear that I have of falling. I used to say heights, but I realized that it's more a fear of falling than mm. it is the height, right? Um, so um, because I acknowledge how 
like what that fear does when I feel that in my body, then I'm like, okay, you're scared. And then that causes me to take a different type of inventory within my mind. Like, why are you feeling scared? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I have to dissect that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you, so you literally feel like you are like falling <laughs> or, or it's, it's like, that, it's that emotional feeling. It's, it's like, an overwhelming emotional feeling. <laughs> wow. It's so funny how fear shows up in, in all of us, you know, yeah. it's yours is falling. Mine is, um, the fast heartbeat. I'll probably start sweating. And then I feel, I, I feel something happening in my stomach. Yeah. I get that one. Yeah. <laughs> And then my brain starts going all haywire and, and, and it's hard for me to settle myself. Mm-hmm. That's how I know, okay, you're afraid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting, the body reactions. So you do so much. I'm trying to get to all of the things. Okay. <laughs> As it relates to being the president of the board and, and uh, board of barbering and cosmetology, and for those that don't know, this is the board that governs um, the hair industry for barbers and hairstylists. She's the president who has been on. How long have you been serving as president? I mean, you've been on the board now, what, eight years? Yeah, I'm in my eighth year. Actually, this year I'm vice president. You're vice so, president. Okay. Yeah, we only serve in the leadership positions a year at a time. But I did serve two years as president. I've been vice president, I feel like once or twice before, and now I'm vice president again. Okay. I'm currently the vice president. Um, <laughs> and I was appointed to the board in 2013. Mm-hmm. 2013 by Governor Jerry Brown. Okay. And so as the vice president, how difficult is it for you to seize the opportunity for change within that board? Um, I would say it as the vice president of the board, that leadership position doesn't necessarily impact the decision that we make as a board. Hmm. I would say that because we have to wear a body that votes and yeah. majority wins when we're voting on different things. The difficulty that I find that we have when we are pushing for change is because we are a regulatory agency and, you know, we're a part of the state government. And so, you know, getting through the different branches of government and dealing with a lot of that process is what becomes the most difficult part. Um, But I will say I have seen a lot of change on the board since I've served. Um, We've done a lot of regulatory changes and have introduced new laws into the industry. Mm -hmm. And this is my last year that I'm able to serve on the board. And I find that we can get more support though, for certain actions when we get support from the public and licensees. Mm -hmm. And I think it hasn't really been, at least in my experience until this pandemic that we've had a, you know, a large response from the community because of the pandemic, right? But that type of public support, um, comments, uh, though that type of participation really helps a board member like myself when we want change. 
Um, Because I can only do so much as one person. And if we don't have enough comments, enough support from the public who also feel that certain things that we want change in the industry on a regulatory level doesn't seem to be important to anyone else, then Mm -hmm. I can vote all day. But if the majority is like, no, then there's not much. Right. Yeah, I know. It seems like that's a challenging position, especially you're, you're actually working in the industry. Yes. And then to go to switch hats and go political and you yes. see and you see what's needed in the industry and you see what the challenges are. But now you have to be diplomatic. And yeah, that that would that would piss me off because. I- <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a balancing act. But, you know, when we think about my story so far, it sounds like I've been balancing a lot. That's the pattern since, since a little girl. That, yes. <laughs> that is it. If you were to share the best parts of your business acumen, personal development, and intellect into one sentence, what would that be? Ooh, you asked some good questions. Thank you. Okay, wait a minute. Ask it one more time. Ask okay. More time. If you were to share the best parts of your business acumen, personal development, and intellect into one sentence, what would that sentence be? These are the best parts of you. Dang, that's that's kind of deep. That's the kind of question you give the person before they come on. No, no, I don't want you thinking about that. Uh-uh. Um, man, can it be? I mean, there's something that comes to mind. You can give me two uh, sentences. Can it be a quote from somebody else? Nah, I, this has got to be Dr. No, Carrie Williams. I don't want to hear no. It sums up my business acumen. Personal development. My personal development. And your intellect. And my intellect in one sentence. You can do two if you need it. Um, how you learn is how you last. Why you say it like that? You said it like that. <laughs> Is that genuine? Is that real? Is that authentic no, from you? It's I not. Mean, I feel like I, it needs to be more full. Oh, okay. Make it full. Make it full. No limits. Go ahead. <laughs> Man. Okay. One sentence. Make it. F- forget the sentence. Go. Okay. Um. I mean, I would say... Man. <laughs> so, so many thoughts are coming to my head right now. Let I me know. just talk it out. Like, yeah, so many yeah. thoughts are coming to my head right now because I've just experienced so much in my business, um, you know, have spent so much time in the area of personal development. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, to think of one sentence, it's just like, what would I tell someone? Um, make it, make it a paragraph. You got five, I'm, four or five sentences. Okay, I can get four or five sentences. <laughs> um, okay, so I would definitely say to um, one, let me just, how I phrase this, am I giving someone advice? This is your personal description. My personal <laughs> description. Um, 
I would say, I don't know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because you so do it. My personal you, description about me. You do it all the time with your clients. Okay, so I guess I'm trying to understand. Okay, so maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. You're this just is a sharing the best about me. Yeah, I'm you, describing myself. Yeah, the best parts of you, though. The best parts, not the whole. We're going to take the best of each, the best part of your business, acumen, your knowledge in business, the best parts of your personal development, the best parts of your intellect. Wrap all of that up into a sentence, a phrase, a paragraph, and give it to me. Okay. Well, I would say that as, as a business owner, um being disciplined and being focused and knowing that there's no such thing as failure um as long as you are trying like there's no such thing as failure that has served me well as i continue to move forward and create um the best parts of my personal development is to acknowledge God in everything. I acknowledge God in all that I do. And um, it is because of that, the spirit of God in me as me that I'm able to, you know, within my own personal development, remain grounded, to have that sense of mindfulness and self-awareness. And when it comes to my intellect, um, never stop being curious. I love to read, I love to explore, and, and to know that um, it's okay to not know. Yeah. That is something that I have become more comfortable with. There was always a part of me that was comfortable with it, hence like me constantly chasing academia in the way that I have, just wanting to know more. Um, but there was a period in my career after I got my doctorate, you know, I felt like, oh, people think are going to think that I'm supposed to know everything hmm. and trying to make sure that I did <laughs> and knowing that that's not possible. And so when I am teaching and educating others, um, letting them know that it's okay to not know. Yeah. Actually, not know is empowering. Um, and when you don't know, that's when you should listen more. That's a good one. Repeat it again. What you don't know, say it, that when last part. You, when you don't know, you should listen more. I think more people need to take heed of the, to those words because that's, that's great. There's a lot of, you know, I asked you earlier about insecurity. And what you just said about not knowing, but yet having the education and you're feeling like you need to know, that in itself can create the insecurity when you don't know. True, and you drive you crazy if you're not mindful and aware of self. Yeah, it's just true. my little two cents. I don't, I don't. <laughs> that, that, that two cents was not little. <laughs> okay, a few more questions and then we're done. No more difficult uh, questions. <laughs> it's downhill no, from here. It wasn't difficult. You know, it just kind of you know it hit me. You know, yeah, my mind, my brain starts to going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What leader do you look up to and admire? The leader that I look up to and admire, um, I would say 
admitted and I'm allowed to then admire. Hmm. I, so there are a bunch of people coming to my mind. <laughs> you don't have to list all of them. Oh, list all of them? No, no, no. You don't have to list all oh. of them. Just give me your, uh, so t- your, your top three. My top three? Um, well, definitely one of the first people, because I think about my career, um, is Madam C.J. Walker. Um, I studied a lot about her in college and just, you know, she created this blueprint you know, in a space that I knew I was going to begin to work in. And so um, I'm thinking of her. And then I also think of my dad, my dad and my mom together being leaders in my life. Um, Again, just so grateful for the behavior that they not only modeled for me, but a lot of the good habits and disciplines that I have in my life right now, which has helped be fuel for my success. Um, and, um, I also think of there's, well, two women who I know personally who are doing great things in their individual spaces, and that's Mylik Teal, and she is the founder and creator of Curlbox, and then Danielle Leslie, who is the founder and creator of Course from Scratch. And, you know, both of these women, I, you know, knew prior to them building these huge, amazing, impactful companies. And the reason why I look up to them and I'm inspired by them is because it really, when you know someone, it starts to make certain levels of success feel more tangible. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel really grateful to have so much proximity to these women and um for to be a witness yeah their success which continues to fuel me in my pursuit of of higher levels of impact and influence i love it that's great well said what makes a leader great and iconic um i think what makes a leader great and iconic is their ability to help and inspire others you know, as a leader, you know, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a leader, it's about how well do you really function on a team? How well are you able and and functioning on that team, leading by example? So I think a great leader is someone who, through the example of how they live their life and the disciplines and the habits that they have, they're still functioning on this team and they're still concerned about the, the success of everyone on the team. So as they begin to lead by example and through their behaviors and their disciplines, a great leader creates other great leaders. This is true. Very true. Very, very true. Okay, complete this sentence for me. I grow the fastest when I am. I grow the fastest when I am focused on God. Mm. That is when I am <laughs> to the sun. 
<laughs> and that's where I am right now. I'm so focused on God right now. I feel like I'm moving really fast. You, you, I, hey, look, you've been moving fast since she was knee high. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's even faster. <laughs> yes, it is. Final question. Okay, so this question is called the tabula rasa, which means blank slate. Okay. So you're an artist, as you are in real life, and you have a blank canvas in front of you. And on this canvas, you are going to create, design, or architect your life as you see it. And you have all the colors that you can possibly want or need to draw or paint this picture of your life now. You have completed and done everything that your heart has desired in life already. You have traveled the world. You've inspired so many women uh, to become entrepreneurs. You've helped them with their life and their insecurities. And you've, you've, you've taught, you've trained, you've created international products. And you've got all your patents, family. Everything is done as far as you know in your mind that you can possibly, that you have conceived to that point come okay. coming back to this blank canvas what picture do you draw for your life and what colors do you use what picture do i draw for my life well what i see the colors that i see first even as you were speaking um rich very rich purples and blues there's golds and yellows, and there's some green in there, and oranges, like burnt orange. And the picture itself actually is a blend of these colors. There's no solid structures or figures in the picture. Mm. It's just a beautiful blend of all of these colors that are vibrant. And again, some of them are deep and dark, but still beautiful. And then you have these beautiful gold light shimmery spots and you have these earth tones and the greens and the oranges, and it's just all blending together. And yes, that's what this life in my mind that you described, like that's what it would look like on a canvas. You gonna paint it? I think you should. I think I should too. I think you should. <laughs> that sounds good. I can see that hanging on the wall. Just. Ooh, thank you, Mom. You're welcome. It's my pleasure, and thank you. Look, I want to salute you, honor you, praise you for all the work that you are that you have done, and that you are doing, and that you will continue to do. The lives that you have touched, the the women that you have inspired, the change that you have made in the industry politically and outside all of your accomplishments i, I mean you just praise all praises thank you <laughs> so i receive all of that yes thank you're, you are welcome you're welcome and um just you know honor you love you and i want to open up the platform now for you to put your information out there how can people get in touch with you how can they find you if they want to get the goddess locks if they want to put your products you can Talk about your products. The floor is yours. Hey, well, yes, you can definitely find out about me and all of my educational um, services that I provide on my website, drkerrywilliams.com. I have 
a goddess life certification course. I have trichology certification courses. And I'm still adding more educational resources to that platform. You can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Carrie Will. Um, and as well as my products. If you're interested in my product line, you can purchase those products at Beauty by Dr. Carrie, K A R I dot com. Um, and yes, those are my platforms. And then Mahogany Hair, Mahogany Hair Revolution. Mahogany Hair Revolution is the name of my salon, which is now transitioned more into a resource base for stylists. So that houses mm. my educational platform, but as well as provides resources to help support stylists through helping to market and provide referrals for clients to help them build their businesses. That's so excellent. That's Mahogany Revolution on Instagram. And you can also get on the website at mahoganyhairrevolution.com. That's wonderful. Do you have any questions for me? No, I think this is fantastic. This is such a great conversation. I want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have you back because what I thought about in um, prior, prior to this interview today, I want to have you, my sister and the world famous manager, Jay Gray, Miss Jay Gray panel discussion. That would be all beautiful black women doing amazing things. So we're going to set that up, put that in and, that, and everybody has already been on the show. So the public is already familiar. You guys know each other. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that is going to be amazing. I am so there. You're in? Yes, I'm in. All right. Stay tuned. Ladies right. and gentlemen, Dr. Carrie Williams. I absolutely love Dr. Carey's philosophy on discomfort feeling like fear. She also says there is no such thing as failure. However, with focus and a desire to inspire others, we can assume our rightful position, take charge and lead up. Ladies, if you have questions about the condition of your scalp, hair, or if you want to try Dr. Carey's signature goddess locks, check her website out at www.drcarriewilliams.com. Again, that is Dr. Carrie with a K, Williams.com. Or follow her on Instagram at Dr. Carrie Williams. Share this episode with as many people as possible and tag us on Instagram at Lead Up Lifestyle. And don't forget, we are still donating a portion of our proceeds to Black businesses in need. To help us in this cause, simply go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the donate link. And as always, remember, Keep leading up.